And I'm going to jump right into it without an introduction today. I, I want to sp- preach to you and speak to you. And maybe I'll split this up between today and Wednesday night. But I want to speak to you on, on uh, the title of uh, this message here today. What is the title, Stephen? What did I tell you? Cut the string. That's the title of my message today. I didn't put it in my notes. Cut the string. And I want to talk about some of the things that hold us back from loving the way Jesus loved. How many of you know sometimes we really want to love the way Jesus loved, but we just feel like it's almost impossible? Anybody ever challenged in how they love uh, somebody in their life? Come on. Anybody have any challenging people to love in your life? Don't look at your spouse. We don't want that here, okay? Um, and uh, so I want to read a couple of scriptures quickly to you. In 1 John four seventeen, it says, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So the Bible describes love and then says, In this world, we are like Jesus. Another version of the, of, of the scripture says, Love is fulfilled among us when in this world we are like Jesus. When we are like Jesus, love is fulfilled in this world when we are like Jesus. Uh, uh, John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, I'm setting this up, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another. So God's shown us something here. He's saying, listen, the mark of somebody who understands God in his love is somebody who also loves like God himself. And, and one of the greatest things I believe missing from this world is people that are actually modeling the love of Jesus in their life, that are actually modeling the love of God. And the most important other thing, thing to understand is that as we, as we explore, understand, and come to the realization of how Jesus loves, you and I can begin to actually love the world around us the same way. How many of you actually want to have an impact on this world? Come on, for real. Like you want to leave this earth and feel like your life counted for something. How many of you at any time in your life have felt like your life didn't count for something? Come on. Or you had no purpose. Amen? And so, so God actually does not want us to live a purposeless life. He doesn't want us to get to the end of our journey and say, oh, man, I didn't really accomplish anything. No one's life is better off because of me. That's not the way he designed you and I to function to be happy, to be successful in our journey of life. He's actually set us up and, and, and put inside of us through his son the desire and the ability and the resources and understanding we need if we'll really, really, really pay attention to love the way he loves. And so I want to explore one story, and I may not even go to the scriptures so I can do this quickly, but I want to explore just one story today of how Jesus loved, and it's the story of Peter. And Peter, you have to understand, Peter's kind of a rascal. He's a wily guy. As a matter of fact, the story I'm getting ready to tell about him denying Jesus three times actually says that uh, when he realized he had fulfilled what Jesus told him he was going to do, when he denied him for the third time, it said he started cussing, swearing. He was a quite an interesting guy. Here is the disciple that we find out later on that Jesus says he's going to build his church upon, and he is not perfect. He is no bueno. He probably has a mouth like a fisherman or a carpenter, and he is not what we would consider a holy man. Do you understand that today? Considering that they have a giant statue of him in the holiest place on earth, the Vatican, this is not a holy guy. It's kind of a funny thing that he's, he's there, right? And everybody's touching his, his foot. But Peter, Peter comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, and I want to read this to you. I'm going to jump ahead here. It says uh, in Luke 22, you can go there. I'm going fast on you. 
It says, Simon, Simon, this is Simon Peter. So we're talking to Peter. Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. This is Jesus talking to him. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I want to stop there for a moment. How many of you know that God doesn't want your faith to fail? And how many of you watching online, too, understand that your faith is going to fail? His desire for you and what actually happens sometimes don't match up. Can we agree on that? So God has a desire that you wouldn't fail in your faith, but the reality is every single one of us fail in our faith. And so he says to Peter, he says, listen, Peter, buddy, I got some, I'm, I'm believe, I mean, if Jesus himself is praying for you and you still don't get it straight, come on, right? Jesus is like, listen, I'm taking time out of my only begotten son life here to pray for you, buddy, that you wouldn't fail in the faith. But let me read the rest of that sentence. But he says, but when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. He says, and you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What he's saying here is he's saying, Peter, I'm praying for you, man. I don't want you to fail in the faith. You're probably going to fail in the faith. And when you do, just turn back again. That's what it means to repent, right? It means to change your mind, to turn back. Metanoia it means to change or a, a misunderstanding that you have about yourself or God. He says, listen, Peter, it's going to happen, dude. And when it does, turn your back away from it and, and strengthen your brothers. See it as an opportunity to strengthen your brothers. In other words, Peter, when you fall, learn from it. Peter, when you fail, learn from it. He's saying, I know it's going to happen, and it's going to happen big. And so we know the rest of the story. Peter goes on to literally almost hand deliver Jesus into the hands of those that wanted to murder him. He denies being with him after three years, over a, almost a thousand days of traveling day in and day out, 24 7. With Jesus, the Son of God, he denies him three times, literally delivers him into the hands of his captors. Jesus, all along, knew it was coming and set him up. And I want to show you something about this because this is one of the greatest portraits of the love of God. And the portrait of the love of God that we're looking at looks like this. Even though I know you're going to screw up. Not you did screw up. How many of you have screwed up in the past? If your hand ain't raised, we're going to be preaching on telling the truth. I know, Greg. I know who that is over there. Amen. How many of you have screwed up before? We all have screwed up, right? If you need water, we've got water over here. You're not interrupting me. Feel free to grab it. But if you've ever screwed up before, it's easy for us to believe that God has made a way and paid the price for your screw-ups from a year ago. But how many of you understand that God knows that you are not going to ride this life out and not mess up again? The problem is this. Jesus loves, I'm going to get to the point, with no strings attached, which religious people hate the idea of. Because if you don't understand how great his love is, you think strings have to be attached to it in order for people to receive it and walk in it. His love is so great, he loves without strings attached, which means when you screwed up and he knows you're going to screw up again, he decides from this moment forward, no matter what happens with you and I, I still love you. And the portrait of that is actually, like I read in 1 John, the love we're supposed to emulate. Everybody was so excited when it was all about Jesus, and now it's about us. That's actually the portrait for our love for the world around us. 
that we love with no strings attached, that we cut the strings. And I want to leave these two things with you before I close today. I know I'm gonna happen, it's not going to happen that fast. But our love and those things that prevent us from loving the way Jesus loved, the strings that attach to us are, are one of the greatest strings that are attached to you and I from really loving fully the way Jesus has called us to love is our theology. Now I'm sweating so I can get real, okay? If I'm sweating, I can be real, right, Tuck? Our theology, for those of you that are watching on Facebook, is the, it's, it's not even a string. It's like a, a rope or like a steel cable holding us back from loving people well. I had a conversation with somebody this week that said they were called to a specific people group. And the question was this. It was a people group that the church has had a tough time loving. I'll tell you who, what it was. It was the LGBT community. And somebody came to me and said, uh, I, 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 I want to start a church, and one of the groups I believe I'm called to is the LGBTQ community. I was like, awesome, great, I love that. I love it, awesome, wonderful. This was my, uh, we, this is my conclusion, and the conversation was, does your theology set you up to be successful in loving that community? I'm going there. Now I'm going to flip it on you for a moment. I want to love my nephew who's an alcoholic or is a this or a that. Okay. Does your theology set you up to love your nephew with no strings attached? Does your theology set you up to love somebody who doesn't look like you, who doesn't worship like you, who doesn't love like you or like me or, or act like me or speak the same language as me or have the same skin color as me or live life the same way. If your theology doesn't make room for you to love that person, then you're missing emulating and being Jesus' love here on the earth. And some of us need to cut, oh, Lord have mercy, I'm gonna preach this thing from the subwoofer. Some of us need to cut the string of our theology for a moment so we can actually love the very people that we're called to. And do you think for a moment that God would call you to love somebody but not allow your theology to grow to a place where you can love them? That doesn't make sense. I'm gonna send you in to an opportunity, but not give you the tools necessary. And so what I believe the Lord is asking us to do is not to abandon some great truth we've learned over the years or to abandon years of study or to abandon a particular this or that. It's not even about abandoning it. Some of us won't let go of our tradition and open our hands up long enough to allow God to position us to be more effective in loving people. We are so concerned with holding on to our tradition. Listen, put it down for a moment. It's not going to go anywhere. If this, if this new thing that God's calling you to you doesn't work out, by all means, go back and pick it up. But if we have closed fist holding on to tradition and to this is what I've been told, this is my, this is my question to you. If you feel something in the core of your heart that God's called you to be and do to the earth, but it goes against something you've always been told. What do you do? What do you do? Because God himself will move upon your heart and ask you to do something that doesn't feel or doesn't reconcile with something somebody told you 20 years ago. What do you do? Well, for most of us, we go, well, that's, that's not possible. I can't do that because this is what I know. Yeah, but what's God saying to you? For Peter, 
He got the example of what Jesus did. He loved no strings attached. Then Peter gets sent to the worst group of people that he could possibly be sent to as a Jew. He gets sent to the Gentiles. He starts preaching to them. I imagine Peter is running over in his head the three moments where he made that decision to deny Jesus. I imagine that Peter's running over in his head that moment where Jesus said, hey, I'm praying for you that you're not going to fail, but you're going to. And when you do, I love you anyways. I, I, I assume that Peter's mind was stretched by that moment that Jesus loved you. How many of you remember the moment your mind was stretched that Jesus was able to love you where you were at? Come on, I know for me, my mind is stretched that he still loves me. And, and Peter's facing the Gentiles. I'm going to close with this. But Peter's facing the Gentiles, and he's there, and he's preaching to them. And he's not quite sure if God's even really interested in doing something with them, but he's going to give it a shot. In other words, people's call, Peter's called to these people, but he doesn't really know, like, it doesn't really reconcile with his Jewish faith. Like, they can't be included. He's got some strings attached to his theology. And it's funny because Peter doesn't even really cut the strings to his theology this time. God himself comes down and says, oh, Peter, I know your plan is to preach to them and then try to convince the Jews around you that, you know what, they've received Jesus, so now we should baptize them. And then when we baptize them, that's what the scripture says. This is the pattern we have. This is our tradition. Then the Holy Spirit falls on them in that order. Receive Jesus, baptize Holy Spirit. Well, Peter's preaching to them and preaching to them and preaching to them and preaching to them, and he isn't letting them get baptized because it doesn't jive with his tradition. But Peter has already seen the reckless, abandoned love of God in his life. He's seen the pattern of a God who loves without strings attached. And he goes, wait a second. I, maybe my string attached to my theology is actually preventing me from loving this group. So what happens? The Holy Spirit doesn't even wait for Peter to get it. And I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, I don't want to be in that boat where the Holy Spirit literally has to intervene because I'm so dumb. I'm so hard-headed. And the strings attached to my traditions and my little pet theology are so tight and so strong that he can't break through them or I won't break through them. The Holy Spirit comes down and instead of waiting for Peter to invite the Gentiles into the tub, into the, into the water basin, into the baptismal tank, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles before he ever baptizes them. And then he turns around and looks at his Jewish friends and he goes, wait a second, how can we now forbid them the same waters? In other words, We've had a string attached here. It may be your son. It may be your mom. It may be a coworker. It may be a people group. But every single one of us have strings attached to theology or wrong ways of thinking about God that are preventing us from fully loving the way Jesus is. And my challenge to you today, and I will shut my mouth, is are you willing to put that down for a moment and cut the strings so that you can unrestricted explore the life and the heart of God through his son Jesus here on the earth and love people the same way he did? And there is a moment where the guy who denies Jesus three times hands him over to a murderer is then used to be the first to baptize the Gentiles, the very people group that the Jews hated more than anything else, that they warred with, that murdered their children and did all sorts of crazy things. 
because Peter was willing to recognize that even though he had been too stupid to cut the string himself, the Holy Spirit came up and said, buddy, you're going to have to put this down for a moment if you're going to do what I've called you to do. My question to you today is, who is God calling to you, you to? It may be a neighborhood. It may be a person. It may be a people group. It may be a coworker. It may be a stranger in the grocery store. But if your theology doesn't make room and make you successful, if your view of God, don't get caught up in the word theology, but if your view of God and how he expects you to function here on the earth prevents you from actually pursuing and being successful and loving someone the way Jesus is, you need to cut the string. We need to put it down. And we need to be challenged that we would love like Jesus, even when everything inside of us is saying, wait a second. Guess what? There's a reason the Bible says love never fails. If you love people well, you will never mess up. If you love people well, you'll never get to heaven and God's going to say, why the heck did you love so well? It's time to cut the strings and put it down. And guess what? You can do it. It's scary. It'll freak you out. It'll make you feel like you're doing something that's compromise. You're going to hear that word. It's not compromise when you're loving like Jesus. It's not compromise when you're paying attention to what the Spirit of God is doing. It wasn't compromise for Peter to turn around and go, um, so the Holy Spirit just fell, boys, so what are we doing now? We need to recognize that God is moving in a new and fresh way, and we can be a part of it if we'll cut the strings to some old ways of thinking and being and doing. Amen. We love you guys. We'll be live on Facebook Wednesday night. I hope this uh, encourages you to cut the string as it has, has encouraged me in my own life. We'll get you guys out of here. What we're going to do for the cars, bless you guys. We'll be online Wednesday night. Our plan is next week to be back here, and then we're going to kind of reevaluate where we're at, but we'll be back here for a drive-in service. Thank you for coming. You guys, what we're going to do is we're going to start in this front row here. Our team here will lead you out if you'll just drive between these cones. You can circle back around here and lead your way out. We bless you. Thank you. Give us one more horn beep, and we'll see you soon, okay? God bless you.